Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. So we are currently in a a great series called Rhythms, and these rhythms are the rhythms of God, the rhythms that we're supposed to follow to to benefit in our lives. Like God wants us to to experience the best life on this earth that we could possibly have in preparation for eternity with him. Did you know that? Did you know that, that your life is preparation for eternity with him? But it's not just preparation, it's the here and now. It, it is the, it is, you are experiencing things, some good, some bad, some, we all have ups and downs, but that's also called rhythms. And what we're experiencing today, or what I should say what we're going to be talking today, is about the rhythm of being in the row. The rows that you're sitting in here right now. Some of you guys might be going, mm, Okay. We're going to be talking about church. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, church, and why it's so incredibly important. Now, some of us um, have different ideas about what church is, and, and we come from different expressions of church. I, myself, I grew up, one of the very first churches that I can remember, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday. And when our, and our Sundays weren't just like a meeting and then go home, we went over to a family's house and we had lunch with them and we stayed there with them for a long period of time. And we considered that a continuation of our church services. And I have to tell you that, that who else did church like three times a week growing up? Anybody here? A few of us? Have you ever looked back and said, why... Did I do that? <laughs> why did I? Have you ever done something repetitiously over and over and over and said, why did I do that? What was the point of that? Well, I mean, that's kind of like me. I, I, I want to be introspective. I want to I discover why we do certain things. We're going to be talking about being in church together and why it is so incredibly important. If we were to call this message anything... We're going to call it, Don't Neglect the Meeting Together as Believers. Okay? That's what we're going to be talking about. So, a lot of us sometimes look at church and we look at religion. And we realize that, well, church, there's religion. You know, it's just religious activity that we do. But that's not it at all. I mean, a religion is when we, a lot of us who believe in God come together. That's a religion. We believe the same. We, we operate the same. But when you come together as a church, do you know that you are the church? You are the church. It's not just the building. Guys, we can pick up and move, and we can, we can find a gym and meet in a gym, and that would still be considered church. We would come together. And so that's... What we, what we have to realize is that God cares about church. He cares about you. He cares about you being here, present. And God designed this church for us to grow together. 
So I want you to just think about it. Sometimes people believe that Jesus was, as he went out with his disciples and all, he, he kind of avoided the church. He was always against the Pharisees. You know, he would always chastise the Pharisees. Uh, but I want you to understand that Jesus loved the church. He loved the meeting place. He loved the synagogue. He loved the temple. Because if you read your word, it was in the temple where his ministry began. Jesus was always found teaching in the synagogues. I want to read you Matthew 4.23. Grab your Bibles. We're going to go running around some different verses. The verses will be up on the screen. Matthew 4.23, it says, And he went out throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Ministry happening in the church. Mark one twenty one. it says this, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Also in John 18, 20, it says this, Jesus answered him, I have spoken to you, I have spoken openly to the world, and I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all the Jews come together. And I have said nothing in secret. Jesus cared about the meeting place. He cares about what we do every Sunday. Can we do this? Can everybody stand up for a moment? And everybody. When we read scripture, when we take account of the word and we want to be open to the things that God wants to speak to us. And I think it's really important that we stand before him and surrender all of our misconceptions or notions or the things that we once knew and once believed. So with your arms out in a place of surrender, let's pray. Father, the word that you have to us I pray that you would speak so clearly, that you would convict our hearts and change us and shape us and mold us. Lord, we we surrender to you right now preconceived notions, the things that we, we believe about certain things we just lay before you and say, Father, would you touch my heart? Would you Would you share with me Lord, the things that you desire for me to walk away with today, that it would be life-changing and impacting. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You could be seated. Mm. Mm. While we were worshiping, I just felt the presence of God. It was so wonderful, and I will tell you, it grew, and the power of God just flowed through this room in such a way, even more so when people worshiped. There is a value to us coming together and worshiping corporately.
Did you not know that God in the Old Testament still believed in the meeting together? Like he, he, he cared about the detail of them coming together in the meeting. Very much so. I'm not going to go into the detail because of time, but if you guys were journaling last week, Ezekiel 45.1 would have been one of your chapters that you read from. And Ezekiel, this was amazing. Um, I won't go into great detail, but he gives specific instructions for the, the temple of the Lord, the, the land that was to be set aside. And this was a huge, much bigger than this building, a huge uh, realm for where the most holy of holies, the place of worship, was held. And he, I'm going to read verse um, 4 to you. And it says, It shall be a holy portion of the land. It shall be for the priests who minister in the sanctuary and approach the Lord to minister to him. And it shall be a place for their houses and a holy place for the sanctuary. All right, so what he's saying is that there's, there's different parts of this land. Some is going to be for this, some is going to be for that, but there's going to be a holy sanctuary. But I want you to understand something. He says that there's a, this, this is a place where ministry takes place, from the priests to the Lord. Oftentimes, we go to church for different reasons. Some of us go to church because we need something. Sometimes we have like a deep, man, I got to go. My my life is just a wreck. I got to go to church again. (laughs) I hear that every day. I I mean, uh, there there are times where we just, we know we have an internal need. We need to come back to to the body of Christ to be connected to the body. But I want to tell you that there is something more to coming together than just your need. Amen? Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, I'm going to pause there for a minute. In the Old Testament, the holy place was so holy that the priests had to be spotless. There was a rope tied around them because if there was found any blemish or impurity on or in the, the, the priest that was going in to minister to the Lord, if that man was not holy or pure enough, he was struck dead, and the people inside would tug, 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 no tug back. Well, I guess <laughs> you pull him out. That's how holy God is. We, you and I, could never approach the living God face to face because of the, our, our lack of being holy. But it says here, but, but through the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way that he opened through us, or for us through the curtain that is his flesh when he died on the cross and was raised again. And it says this, we, so we have this now access to the living God through Jesus Christ. And it says that we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus, the great priest over the house. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Mm. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful right? 
And here's the, the capstone verse for this whole message. Number, uh, number 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as, the, as you see the day draw near the day being his return. Family, this is a call to action. This is a call that we should live every single day of our lives. And this is a call for us to become, to come together as a body, to encourage one another to these things, the good works, to ministry. See, God wants to dwell in us and through us. And when we gather together in the larger group, I worship the Lord, by the way, by myself. Man, I feel his presence by myself. But when we come together, it is like 10 times the, 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 the presence, the anointing. It's, it's what we bring to the table. It is what we bring as, a, as our portion, our gift, when we enter together. That is why these rows are so darn important. That is why we come together. There's more. A lot of us would say, well, you know what? I, th- there's been this fallacy in, the, in, in Christianity where it's like, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. That's a personal thing. Right? Well, it's first part's true. You don't need to go to church to become a Christian. We know that the hearing of the word produces faith. When we believe in Jesus Christ, you could have a sliver of the Bible in hand in a back alley or have a friend of yours lead you to Jesus. And right there in your home, in Market Basket, you can receive Jesus Christ and be completely transformed and delivered and saved for eternity. Just like that. But you cannot be a Christian and deny the very thing that God died for, the church. You cannot separate Christianity from meeting together. You cannot, you cannot separate your salvation and then turn your back at the very people that God died for. That is why we come together. Did you know that, that more and more Christians don't think that it's important to be here on Sunday? Do you know that it's typically two and a half times per month is the average attendance? With all of the things that are vying for our attention... And the world coming at us from every direction, 24-7, we don't want to take one hour of our day to invest in other people and to hear the word of God and to, and to be a part of God's community. Now, a lot of you guys are like, well, Jorgen, I'm here now. What in the world are you talking to me for? I love being here, and not even the patriots can keep me away. Praise the Lord, that's at 8.30 tonight, right? So, it's true. There, listen, I, it, you might be saying here, well, no, I value church, buddy. I'm just like you. 
I wouldn't miss it for the world. But the reason why I'm teaching you this is because you need to have an answer for when people ask you, what, why do you go to church on Sunday? You need to have that answer so that you can also encourage them. Because there are a lot of duns out there. There are a lot of people that are like, I don't need the church. I don't need that to have a relationship with God. But you know what? You only have a sliver. You only have a sliver when you think that you could do your Christian walk by yourself. It is extremely difficult. Hmm. There is a reason for coming to church, and it's not about you receiving. It's about you giving. And I'm not talking money. <laughs> Get that out of your head. Well, I do. I give because financially because I believe in what God is doing. I believe that's obedience, and I believe that's worship. Because my money doesn't come before my relationship with God, that's all. My provision, the things that I need, God has that. Jesus has that, right? Sometimes I have these big ideas about what I want to accomplish in my life, and like Jesus is like, you know what? That's great and all, but just flow with me here. Don't get wrapped up in all that. He does call us to be financial planners, be stewards of what he gives us, Back onto the real trail here. That was a rabbit trail. When we come and we give gifts, we give of ourselves to one another. We're pouring out to one another the things that we have. And some of us might be standing here like, what kind of gift do I have? What kind of gift do I have? In 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. You might be thinking, well, I didn't have that kind of experience, therefore I must not have that gift. No, what he's saying is that it took community for a gift that God intended for Timothy to have to be given in context of the meeting place. We need each other. We need to be in each other's lives. You are not going to walk out of here and say, man, you know, uh, I, I, do, I don't know if I can keep coming back to church if I don't know what kind of gift that I have. When we get together in this format, this is one thing, and there's many places that, that you could give of your gifts within the format of a Sunday morning, many places. There's lots of places to serve, to give of yourself, to let your gift be active. And I'll tell you why that's important. But there's also another part of coming together, and that is the row, but you will actually find it in a smaller section, which we call life groups, and which we're so amped about life groups starting up next week. Because there's another place for our gifts to come out and grow in that context as well. And even more so, that should be our first place that we give of our gifts is in the community in our homes. You know? So Timothy has this gift. It was given to him by the elders. And also, that shows us that there is a spirit of God that is still moving today in the church, giving gifts. And why? 
because he wants to encourage us to doing good works. He wants to give us everything that we need so that we could do his will. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says that, now there are a variety of different gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers all of them in, one, in everyone. Everybody say everyone. That's you. None of you guys can walk out of here and say, I don't have a gift. You have a gift and let it be activated in the meeting place. So to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So there is one Spirit giving gifts to all people, all different gifts working together for the good of those who love them. Here's the most amazing part. When we give of our gifts, we are ministering to God. You might think, well, you know, we're just doing this together. My part is not that important. You know, I might be like on camera this week or a greeter this week. Or those are, those are areas that we serve in because it, it makes church much more fun and enjoyable. Who would want to come into a church without greeters? I'm telling you, I just, I, when I see our greeters out there, I'm like, hey, you know, just I've got a smile on my face already. When, when, when we do the things that we do within the church, it's for a purpose, and that purpose for all of us to grow in, in unity and, and to encourage each other. When I was growing up, I had many people giving of their gifts to me. I think I've gone through a lot of ups and downs in life. I've, I've never had like huge, huge problems. Um, how do I say this? There, were, there hasn't been anything that really derailed me in my walk with the Lord, but there, we all have these ups and downs. My wife could testify. <laughs> Roller coaster, bro. Like bring it, bring it level. Can we just cruise right from? I had to stop and say to myself, you know what? I love what God has done in my life. I'm not saying this in a way to, to say like I'm of any reputation or anything, but what I am saying this is that the reason why I love what God is what it, who I am is because of what others have invested in me. Because I had people in my church that were investing in my life, giving of the gifts. Oh, my goodness, Elaine. Oh, dear. (laughs) You know, it just, it wells up. I see it when we have people that give of themselves. You have to go grab someone this afternoon and go take them out for lunch. You have to go grab someone here and and do life with them. Grab people that you don't know and begin to invest yourself. And you might say, well, what do I have? 
You have a gift that God has given you, and it's in the context of community that that gift is realized. Your gift will not be realized unless you are intentionally doing things with community. Life group, friendships, invest yourself. I can remember growing up, granted it was a charismatic church and all, we would, we would start church at 8.30, sometimes we get out at noon. So guys, you have it lucky. You got it lucky. <laughs> you guys could deal an hour and a half. There were times when we didn't get out of church until 5 in the afternoon. It would be like four straight hours of worship and then preaching for four hours. I don't even remember, but it was, it was like this. There were times when we didn't leave church because of what God was doing. We should have the same desire, the same uh, enthusiasm to be with each other. All of the gifts given, all of the things that I received in my life was because of people like you in the row. I need you. You need the people behind you and the people to the side of you. What, what the Holy Spirit does in these relationships is catalyzes his love throughout this community. We talk about wanting to touch Pembroke, New Hampshire, the world for Jesus. But if we don't impact here, we've lost it all. We might as well go home. This is important to Jesus. Amen? Now here's where the rubber meets the road. This is where it gets real. So Mark 3, 31 through 35, Jesus talks about who is your real family. And I bring this up because we have so much trying to divide our attention. We have so many things and good things that we could be doing outside of coming to church. We have family events and sporting activities. We've got things that are, you, all of the uh, projects you guys have around the house, I get that. I totally do. I still have walls I have to paint in my condo that I haven't got to in like five years. Now that's just on me. I keep walking past the wall saying, oh, it's fine. But we have things to do. But what is more important is investing your life into your real family. In New England, this kind of hits a tough spot for a lot of us. Because a lot of times we, we look at family as, you know, family comes first. It's true. Family should come first. But our family of God it's a redefinition of what our true family is. Jesus says in Mark 3.31, And his mother and brothers came, and standing outside, they, saw, they, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd, a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, Hey, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And then Jesus answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around, and those who sat around him, he was pointing to them and said, here are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. 
those who, whoever does the will of God, he is my mother, my brother, my sister. How many of us want to have our real, or not our real, but our, our natural mothers and brothers, fathers, sisters, part of the kingdom of God? I do. I want that. But I really do believe that when we don't understand who our real family is, there will always be conflict. There will always be longing. There will always be a division. There will always be a divided aspect of your life. Here is what Jesus said in Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. <laughs> Whoa, is that really what Jesus said? Yeah. But let me explain something. That's extremely harsh language that he's using. He's, he's using extreme language to get a very important part explained to you. His heart, for you to understand, is that nothing in this world should ever come before Jesus. And he goes on to say that everybody who gives his life lays down his life for him. A hundredfold is given back. So don't worry about your natural family. Invest your lives in the people of the kingdom of God, and it will come back to you a hundredfold. Because what you do for your neighbor sitting next to you, you have done to Jesus. And as you do, you are experiencing the reason why Jesus cares about the row. Mm. So we have the obstacles, but invest yourself. Invest yourself into God's kingdom. Don't go home and say, well, we just need to go to church more often. That's not the point of the message. The point is, would you realize that the gift that God has given you, even if you don't fully understand it, it will come to be understood and come to fruition when we are together. We need each other. Amen? Mm. Now, of course, i got to finish out with um, the warning. You're like, Jorgen, I thought that was the warning. <laughs> Right. Worship team could come up, by the way. I'm a little early, but that's cool. Um, in John 15, whoa, John 15. First, if you ever read John, I mean, it drops like a bomb. Verse 5 is where I'm going to pick up. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and in my words and you ask whatever you, whatever you wish, those things are now in line. By the way, when you ask and pray because you're abiding in Jesus, those things that you're asking for and praying for are now in alignment with him. It will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Ugh. The warning is, is that when we make excuses and we pull ourselves a little bit out of the church, a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, there's an old saying it's called backslidden. It's kind of taboo to talk about that kind of stuff within the church. But listen, because there's been a lot of judgment that it was associated with it. Please understand that the reality is that when you make these compromises, the fruit abiding in him becomes less and less. We make more excuses and we, we, we don't intentionally connect with one another. The brothers and sisters that he desires so much for you to know and love. Who here has been impacted by someone in the church? Who here has been chased, chafed, 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 that's the word I'm looking for, chafed, like sandpaper, by someone in the church? I have. <laughs> Let me tell you, that is a very good thing. That's a very good thing because he disciplines those that he loves. So catch yourself loved. And do you not know that he uses us to grow each, each other? He uses us to rub off all the blunt edges so that we would be sharp and useful. Have you ever taken a knife that's not sharp and tried to cut a, cut a tomato? Oh, it's so frustrating. Oh, my goodness. It is just, you squish the tomato, it goes everywhere, and then you're like, oh, get another one. Jesus doesn't want a toolbox full of dull edges. He wants sharp knives in his kingdom. He doesn't want unwieldy, large swords that just go around chopping and chopping. No, he, what he wants is precision. He wants close contact. He wants you to be a part of the very thing that he died for. He died for you to enter into his kingdom, which means that you are going to spend eternity with the people around you. You are going to learn to love one another as Jesus loved you. Because if we don't love each other, we can never love the world outside. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus died for the church. And he expects for you to do the same, to die for his church. I don't think I've ever come to church expecting to die. <laughs> but that is what he desires from us. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, each and every one of us here in this room, we desire to abide in you. 
We desire to be connected to the vine. We desire to feel your presence, Lord Jesus. God, we need you. And it's true, Jesus, we come to church because we want to worship. We want to feel good. (laughs) We need to hear words that make us feel good. But God, we also need to hear words that go, ah, golly, that hurt. But you do so in such a loving and powerful way. Embracing us, God, into your kingdom, embracing us into your love. Forgive us where we've made compromise. And God, every person that's in this room can now go and share with their friends who are maybe in that place where they don't feel like church is that important. That they would be able to encourage and and bring them back into the presence of the community. When two or more are gathered together, there you are in the midst of us. That's a promise. We love that, Jesus. We love it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for the gifts to be recognized and realized here. I pray for each person that is standing to have their hearts well up with your, your, uh, your spirit calling out the gift that you've given them. That their, their eyes would be open to it. That it would be realized among this community. Because when we come with our gifts, we minister to you. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 